The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. morning, Thomas. Today we have a very special show. Do you know, in the last 83 years of the New York Rangers, there's been one gentleman who architected a Stanley Cup victory. Do you know who that is? I do know who it is, but go ahead and introduce Well, him. it's no relation to me, but it's Neil Smith, and we got him on today. Neil Smith, how you doing there, brother? Good to see you. I'm great. I'm great. Good to see you after all these years. Yes, it is. We go back a long way, back to college days. Don't we? I was in Northern Michigan, you were in Western Michigan. So a quick little story before we get going here. He intentionally started a brawl. Uh, in college, he hacked me over the back of the leg, and I turned around, didn't know who it was, so I grabbed some other kid. Was it Kevin Scott or something I grabbed? Yeah, 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 that's exactly who it was. <laughs> I, I did that, and I got right off the ice and into the dressing room, so he couldn't come in. And uh, they were beating us. You must have been beating us. It was at Western, and you must have been winning or something. Hamernick was on the bench for you guys. Yeah. And Hamernick had been my de- defense partner for years at Western. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so he says to me later, you know, only he can say it in that accent that he's got from Elliott Lake, and he goes, it should have been you down there taking them blows. <laughs> oh, that's back when I thought it was the toughest guy to play. Well, yeah, yeah. Neil, was Tom as much of a nutcase as he says he was in college? I don't know. I wasn't at Northern, so he probably was a nutcase on campus at Northern, but uh, he was a good player at college, I'll tell you that much. You don't make it where he made it and not be a good player. Him and Don Waddell. Yeah, it's Tony was a player. Don was the offensive guy coming. You were more of the stay-at-home, uh, yeah. you know, physical guy. Right. And well, I, I think my freshman year, were you a junior, senior, or how far ahead were you? I was, I started in 74. So oh, okay. 74 said, yeah. I started in 76. Okay, cool. Very cool. Where are you from originally, Neil? Toronto. I'm from sure. Don, Don Mills in, in Toronto. Um, and I uh, haven't been there much lately, but that's where I'm from originally. And now, did you play, you go right to college hockey, like junior B, or where, where were we first? Well, I had, a, you know what, Tom, it was a struggle for me my whole life in hockey. I mean, you know, I, I can go right back uh, early days of my life when I was 10 years old. Uh, my, my father died suddenly. And, um, you know, my mother was a hockey player uh, in, in Winnipeg. And uh, she loved hockey, hockey and hockey in Canada. So my father, who was a piano player, and, uh, and uh, also a businessman, he uh, he passed away, and then I was left with my mother. Well, at 10 years old, you'll do anything that, to please your surviving parent, right? So I, I started into hockey, played house league and all that kind of stuff like we all did, and then and then started to move up. And then in you know way up in 74, I got that chance to get a, a, a little bit of a scholarship to Western Michigan. And that's what really started me in the right direction was um, – that I got that opportunity. Bill Neal, I'll always, I thank him every time I talk to him that uh, he gave me that opportunity. That was the coach at the time, Bill Neal? Yeah, at the coach at the time of Walter Michigan. And at the very beginning, Tom, when I went there, we were a Division Two, and then we, we were promised to be Division One in 75-76, and we were in the CCHA. Um, and I remember you guys, I think, came in a year later, 
Yes, uh, and Northern was like an expansion team. When I say that, I don't really mean expand, but they were a, a new hockey uh, college, and there were uh, you guys did quite well right from the beginning. But we, um, yeah, we we came in that year. Lost Lace Arena was the first year I played in it. The first year oh. that, that was open. So now they're thinking of getting a new one naturally because it's like the rest of us. It, it's old. <laughs> no, no, you're getting younger, getting younger all the time. So were you there the full four years? Yes, I was, yeah. And then you got drafted by the Islanders, correct? Well, I got drafted by the Islanders actually the summer before I went to college, oh. uh, 74, and out of uh, Tier 2, and then um, went to college for those four years. Really had, was the first time in my life that I, I felt like I was a, a, a decent player. Not a great player, but I felt like I was a, you know, a pretty good player, and it was a confidence that the getting drafted and also that Bill Neal gave me um, – in college, that I, I I became the player that people thought I should be, rather than being that player, and then them finding out. I was like, I got there, I had no confidence, and then suddenly, because everybody else had confidence in me, I was like, oh, oh, I guess I am pretty good, you know that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, sure. But that won't do well for you when you try to become a pro at all, right. as you know. You got to have a lot of confidence to be a and yeah. a pro. I didn't I didn't have that. That's where my career fell off, but that's okay. Is it funny to look back at that? You, like uh, Tom and I joke around about it a lot. Who, uh, like you have to, you just you're cocky, you're arrogant. Like you have to have that to, to play in the National Hockey League. Right? Well, and I I came to training camp with the Islanders in '78. Wow. And they, they had Dennis and and everybody. You know, they had the whole crew ready to win the cup the, a couple of years later. And um, honestly, I, I tell people this. I, I I used to be out there and go like, what am I doing out here with Dennis Putman and Brian Trotsky, Tart Billy? Mike Bossy and oh my God and John Tonelli's out here. You can't play if you're gonna be like that, right? right? Yeah. And, and I, that's how I was, and I was, I was always uh, in awe of the NHL and loved the NHL and followed it and knew all the players and stuff. But that, you know, it's tough to do that and then compete with them because you you know you're they're your icons. Yeah. So it's it's it was hard. Yeah, you know, I, I thought of that too. You know, I was lucky I made it my first training camp, but still, I was the same way when I walked in the locker room the first time. That Phyllis Mazzita was there, Barry Beck, and Ron Dugay, and Ron Greshner. And I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm here. Like, am I really worthy of being here? Like, and I, again, I was lucky to get over that because I guess I was arrogant enough. Uh, to still are. Still, <laughs> yes. Uh, but that, that's, that's the thing you look back at and you think, geez, I wish I could change that, right? That's the one thing. It's like, yeah, I wish I didn't have that feeling. Well, but maybe it's just that's the way it is. You know, like you, you don't make it unless you dream of being there. Uh, so then when you finally do, you've got that feeling. So did you, were, did you play with the Islanders? Did you get some games in? No, 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 not at all. No, I, I, I went to trade camp 78. That's the only camp I went to. I went then to the Indianapolis racers after that, because Bill Neal had gone as assistant coach with Adam Stapleton, Indianapolis, where they had this young guy, I mean, Wayne Gretzky, is it? There's a selfie oh. on the ice. Oh, oh, wow. And so I got to be on the ice with him, his first training camp. Um, I, I often reminded him of that, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure he was thrilled. That's probably a highlight for him, right? Yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, and I didn't make it there, obviously, either. So I played a couple of years in the lineups, and, uh, and that was it. Just kicked oh, around in AHL. So did you go uh, right into working with the Islanders at that point? Did you get in front office with them? What happened, Tom, was in 1970, uh, 1980, I, I moved to New York. A guy had offered me a job, and... Um, I said, uh, you know, I, I came there. I was thrilled to have it. I was, you know, from Toronto. I get a chance to be in New York. I love New York. He was an Islander fan, and I was drafted by the Islanders, so he gave me this job. 
Well, after a few months there, I just, I, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand the work. And we were in the Garment District. And I, uh, I said to Jimmy Delano, I said, is there anything I can do with the Islanders to get back to hockey? Like I said, Craig, sell tickets or anything. And he said, well, let me think about it. And then what happened was I asked Jill Nee, who was the PR director for the Islanders, could I go to the game? This is a fascinating story, so I'll take my time to tell. Yeah, it's good. Could I go to the game when you play the Rangers at Madison Square Garden this week, next week, whenever? Um, she said, sure, I'll get you a press pass. So I went to the garden, never been there since I was 15 years old, walked in, went upstairs to the press box, sat down, this completely true story. I'm sure you were probably on the team, right, 81? Yes, yeah, but for sure. So I'm sitting beside, I'm sitting down the, the aisle at the press box from Lord Henning. Yeah. And so um, Lauren, I see him turn around and I'm not used to this, but he's in an argument with a guy in the blue seats with a big, with a big uh, uh, cigar in his mouth, this guy. And they're yapping back and forth. And uh, suddenly, like it gets a little bit, they get uh, going at each other. Somebody spits on Lauren. And so um, the security comes up and they take Lauren down. He was really pissed off, as you can imagine. And I looked at this and the light bulb went off in my head and I go, oh my God, the Islanders can't come to the Ranger games if people know who they are because they can't scout. And there was no satellite, no no nothing back then. So I went to Devlin and I said, do you think they'd like, you know, I'd go to all the Ranger games for them for nothing. And just tell them about the opponents that come in because they, you usually played the Islanders yeah. later. Yeah. And I said, well, let me ask Al if they've got anybody doing that. So he asked Al. Al calls me. I'm scared to death, right? He calls me on my home phone. There's no cell phone. And uh, he's, he meets me at Burger King. I never forget how to meet King. We sit down. He gives me these forms. I'm shaking in my boots. It's Al Art. Or like, I'm like, yeah. oh my God. And I start going to the Ranger games. I start di- dry, you know, diagramming things. I think the opponents are the Rangers of the breakouts. And it was a lot more, I don't know, Tom, it was a lot easier back then than it seems yeah. like now when, when everything's just free flow all the time. Yep. You know, we had yeah. breakouts. Remember, you go behind the net, stop. The center would circle into one corner. Your defenseman was in the other corner. And here you'd break out, right? Like, yeah, sure. that was go, 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 go. But anyway, um, then Al started sending me everywhere. He started sending me to Hartford and Washington, Boston, places. And all I got was expense money. I, I wasn't getting paid. But I was in heaven, as you can imagine. And uh, so from there, they win the cup. And and what really promoted my career, and you're going to laugh and hear this, was we played the Rangers that year, and they won four straight. And in the series, Barry Beck said, I don't know what's going on, but it's like they know what we're going to do before we do it. Oh. Well, that had nothing to do with me, believe me. I'm sure it had it had to do with the quality of the players in Ann Arbor. But there were people going, well, who scouted the Rangers? And they said, well, that kid over there, Neil Smith, he's, he's. so they wrote an article about me in, in the Newsday. Fischler had me on TV. Uh, I'd admit, coming from where I'm coming from, I'm scared to death that the Islanders are going to be mad at me. Like, I'm going to take credit. I'm, I'm not trying to take any credit. They're asking me to do this. I don't want any credit. I it's all Al Arbor and Warren Henning and the players. I don't, it, it's not me. But anyway, that happened. Uh, we end up, so the, so that was a big deal because of the Rangers, you know, beating, beating the Rangers. And the theory being, we knew what they were going to do before they did it, which I don't think was true. But anyway, uh, we played like it. Yeah. Well, we went on to, we went on to win, as you know, in 81 against Minnesota. 
And then they gave me a full-time job for 10 grand the next year doing post count. Big bucks. Yeah. So, so here I was started now. Now I got my start and I had wow. all the degree and everything. I didn't care. I was in the NHL. This was like heaven ash. But I want to ask you a personal question. Sure. To see if you remember, there was a time either during 81, 80, 81 or 81, 82 that I actually came down into the Ranger Lounge and said hi to you. I don't remember near couch. You were sitting on a couch with some other players. I think the game was over. Um, I don't know how I got down there. I don't know if you played the Islanders. I have no idea. All I remember is I knew you from our college days. Right. Only, you know, we knew e who each other was, mm -hmm. right? And then I came down and said, hey, Tommy, Neil Smith. And you go, hey, how are you doing? And you're on that one of those couches in that lounge that we had there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I rolled to this day, whenever I think of you, I think of that. When I thought of that, I'm like, oh, you're so close to me. Like, you're like, hey, you're not like, what are you doing in here? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah you're great. You know, I think you might have been sitting with Gresh. I'm not sure. Yeah, probably have the game have a few cold ones. Yes, frankly, I'm kind of shocked to hear this. I thought he'd big time you for sure. <laughs> I could fake. I was faking it, being the good guy. Yeah, just faking it. That's pretty cool. Okay, so how long did you do that then as a pro scout? Uh, just two years. I did it 80, 81, and 81, 82, and then Jimmy Delorado got the job in Detroit and had me come with him to Detroit, and I, wow. I spent seven years there, moving up all through the different jobs. You know, the pro scout, uh, the director of player personnel. Uh, uh, chief scout of the amateur draft. I did the amateur draft for many years. So that's, and then in 989, when Phil got fired, um, and, and see, here's the key. So Howie Rose and a lot of other guys from the press box and from the press room knew me from my Islander days. Okay. They followed me through Detroit. And so now when Phil got let go, they all started saying, well, what about a guy like Neil Smith who really does know players and does know And so they started promoting me. And as luck would have it, Jack Taylor interviewed me. And then everybody else dropped out except for me because there's Scotty Bowman and Bob Johnson and Herb Brooks and all these guys. And I was the last man standing. So I got it. And uh, I remember at the press conference, Tom, they said to me, how does it feel to know you weren't the first choice? And I said, I don't know whether it was the first choice or not. All I know is that I'm, I am the choice. I'm here. And, and they, they like that answer because that's a typical New York thing, right? Oh, yeah. Pick up for it. How do you so, feel? Uh, Neil, I asked this question in a very good way. Uh, so to move up the ranks like you did in Detroit there, was that based on your scouting record, the drafts and everything? Well, I think it was based upon Jimmy Delano's confidence in me that I was doing a good job for him and that he was a GM the whole time and that he had a lot of trust in me in whatever jobs he gave me. And it was a lot smaller organization, you know, back then, Jeff and the eight. One of the things that I like to uh, mention that's true, Ken Holland was our goalie in Adirondack my first year, uh, which was 82-83, uh, or maybe 83-84 as well, I'm not sure. And then when uh, Jimmy D was going to sign somebody else and let him go from the, from the Adirondack team, I said to Jimmy, well, we need a Western scout. How about Kenny? Because he's from Medicine Hut. Yeah. And uh, that's how Kenny's career started. Wow. So everybody knows that's Kenny Holland, who was the GM in Detroit for, what, 20-some years he was in Detroit? Yeah, he was there for 83 until, what, a few years ago oh, when he went to Edmonton. So yeah. I think he was there 30 years. Oh, that's amazing. So now he's in Edmonton making, what, $5 million a year as a GM there? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, that's funny. He's good. He's a good guy. So when I started in the Egypt business, I had the guys like Dallas Drake and everything. And Kenny was really just getting going in his management uh, career. And so we, I was living in the Michigan area, and we really hit it off too. I like Kenny. He was a good guy. So Neil, Neil made some really great uh, draft picks when he came to the Rangers, including Kovalev, Nemchinov, Zubov, a lot of Russian picks. Uh, Dougie Wade, you picked as well. My real skill, guys. I, I mean, I think I knew players and I did well. And by the way, I want to go back to one thing: is that um. You know, Tom, because this is important. Uh, when I was the player, unlike yourself, I didn't have the arrogance or the confidence or the physical uh, confidence in myself that I could play in a tough time, right? It was a tough time in the actual. And I never had that confidence in myself. But I can tell you honestly that as soon as I got the chance to be in management, I was like, I knew I could beat everybody. Yeah, you know, I was going to say I was gonna say that. It kind of amazed me that you said you didn't have confidence as a player. Because, and again, I mean, a good way, the way you carried yourself as a general manager was that you were in total control. You knew exactly what you were doing. You were confident in yourself. Yeah. And that, and that's how I was. And that's how I felt. And that's how I still feel about that job. If I had, if, you know, if I had that now, um, I'm not, I, I'm not arrogant about it. I don't mean to, I yeah. take other opinions and stuff, but I had no doubt that I knew that I would be able to use my brain to win because I was just going to copy what the Islanders did. I was going to try to copy that. I was going to do intelligent things, outsmart a lot of people. I thought that I could do that. Not that anybody else is dumb, but, or that I'm, and I just knew that I, I had that confidence. So like yourself, um, when you were going in to play in the NHL and could fight guys and stuff, which I could never do. And I mean this sincerely, um, you had to have the confidence that, well, I'm, I'm not going to get my ass kicked. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I had the thing with a mental side. I'm not going to get my ass kicked. I'm not going to lose. I'm going to win. Sure. And, um, and it, so I, I always had that confidence. So I've, I've always found that really amazing that you could not have it in one area, but totally have it in another. Yeah, is that true? We've talked about it here on the show before where um, I went into training camp and they had me playing a rookie game and Hector Marini was playing for the Outers. So I grabbed, yeah, I grabbed him and spanked him around pretty good. I'm thinking, I'm tough, man. I'm going to, I'm going to beat up everybody in the NHL now. And so the next night, you know, it was Freddie Shiro. So they, they put me in the big game against the Islanders, which I was not due to play, but they saw what I did against Hector. And all of a sudden, Bobby Nystrom comes over to me on the ice. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's Bob Nystrom. There's Clark Gillies. Uh, there's, and then now we're going to play Philly tomorrow night. And there's Ben Wilson and Paul Holmgren. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I can fight, but geez, this is not a fighter anymore. Well, you know, you know what it is? It was that make that decision. Is this the way you, you want to play the game? Because you know how it is. Once you come in and you prove that, that that's your role, then that is your role. You have to keep doing that. To, to, to add to that, one of your teammates, George McPhee, yeah. uh, who uh, said to me, I said to him, like, how did you fight Bobby Nye and all these guys? And George, you're just a little guy. He says, Neil, I knew if I wanted to stay in the league, I had to do it. Yeah. And see, that's the difference between a guy like him and a guy like me. I'd be saying, I don't need to be in the league that bad. Yeah. I Hell. You know what I'm saying? You're all, in all honesty. In all honesty. I mean, it sounds chicken, but that's the truth. Like, I don't need to get my ass to be in the league. You know, there's another guy. Um, there's other, it's, it's amazing with hockey players where I've talked to them about those intangibles of being scared or going to the tough spots or fighting. I mean, Brendan Shanahan told me, because I saw Brendan Shanahan fight through unbelievable fights. Yeah. With one of them with Jerome McGinnell and he cut Jerome wide open, blood all over the place and all this. You know, like, I just can't imagine doing that myself, right? And he said, Neil, I, did, I started doing it, and I just loved it. He said, I just love doing it. Holy crap. Like, I'm worried that I might get a scar or that I, you know, my mom paid for my orthodontistry and, yeah. you know, 
So it, it's it's really amazing that the mindset that you've got to have. Yeah. Well, it also takes a toll on folks too. Because we had Jim Thompson on the show, Neil, and he said he had a fight as a 14 year old against a 20 year old, and after that, he was branded a fighter. And he said it really wrecked him and it wrecked his mental well being because he had to fight. He wasn't a goal scorer anymore. And it really did the number on him. Well, and and I, I've known some players that have said that too. I had a, a, a friend, a very good guy in, in, in our, I'm going to go all the way down to the Johnstown Chiefs because uh, I owned the Johnstown Chiefs. And I was one of the guys that I made friends with who had been a, a player in the ECHL was Jason Spence. And he told me his whole career, starting in Sherbrooke, going up and uh, coming from the Maritimes becoming a fighter, not wanting to be a fighter. But they told him, you either get out and fight that guy or you're you're not dressing. So he had to fight game after game after game. And his parents even pushed him to fight. And I mean, he, he was a, obviously a decent fighter, wasn't a big guy because he never made it very high above the ECHL. But he said to me quite honest stories about how he just hated it, that he had to do that and then he couldn't play hockey if he didn't do it. And that you know, so I, that's got to take a toll on you mentally. And we've seen with some of the really tough guys in the league or the guys that have fought a lot um, that they have had mental problems at the end after the careers are over. Yeah, most of the tough guys that I've talked to really did not enjoy fighting. They 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 knew they had to do it as far as just a role for them. Except yeah. for Langer. Langer didn't seem to mind. Der, yeah, Darren Langer did in my whole. Oh, Langer, I had Langer. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Neil, do you think they're going to eventually take fighting out of the game? As you know, there's a little bit of a groundswell for that now. Oh, I think basically we're done now. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Like the fighting of old isn't there anymore. Like the guys who are fighting now have shields on. When I watch the fights, like you're punching his shield, like you're not punching his face. So well, I, I've seen it people tell me like we can go on all day about this because we come from the same generation. But I mean, it's like two guys getting mad at each other riding motorcycles and they get off and start punching each other with helmets. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, Tom, when they started in junior that you had to wear a shield? I do remember that. I was in the age of Jeff. And and so then, then who is that guy out west? He ended up coaching the Canucks for a while, and he had them sharp on the bottom of the shield. Yeah. Remember that guy so that when you punched, you'd cut your hand on the shield? Yeah, they, I remember you talking about yeah, wow. Coach Vancouver Canucks for a while, actually. Anyway, um, but there were, like, everybody would say, like, and, and when I first – was GM in the league, um, and Leachy wore a, a shield his whole career. And I remember that, that he was clearly one of the only ones that was going to, you know, wear it right from a rookie, right up. But you'd always yell at the guy if he had a shield on, like, well, you got a freaking shield on. How am I going to fight you with a shield yeah. on? Call it. Yeah. We've all got shields on. They have to have it on. Yeah. I remember uh, one year, Jack Birch, Teddy Sager, and Reg Higgs were coaching, and I got hit in the eye, and the doctor said, listen, I know it's kind of, after the fact, but put a shield on just for a little sake, just for a little while. And Jack Burch, I really liked, I really respect him a lot too. And he came up to me and he says, uh, really sarcastically too, he says, so I guess that's going to change the way you play now. Uh, just to say that I'm going to play a softer game because I had the shield on. And I was like, so I took the shield off right away because I, I don't want to get that reputation, you know. But you also want to keep your eyes though. Which, you know. But you know, I, it's great you say it that way, but when you're playing, you think you're invincible. You really do. I mean, uh, even though like, how'd that work out for you? Ooh, with like a little brain damage. <laughs> Until you get older, though, when you get older, I think, what, yeah. what I think players, like Dennis, Dennis never wore a shield until, right, about, what, three years to go in his career? Yeah, Dennis, should have said it was popping up. Yeah. He had, he, he started wearing a shield later in his career. And then you see other guys, Raymond Bork. Yes, I was going to say him, yep. He put on fairly early, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think what happens is you have kids and you look at your kids and you go, do I really want to lose an eye or lose, you know, lose something and not enjoy my kids for the rest of my life? I think that, you know, that's a natural thing in life, right? You, you know, you get married uh, perhaps and stop riding your motorcycle because, you yeah. know, you're like, oh, I got kids now. I better not be riding a motorcycle. Well, I, I represented Briar Burrard when he got hit in the eye. So, you know, we lived through that. And that was that rare thing that you're watching the game. You even saw him get hit. You're thinking, he's not going to get hurt that bad. You know, because your, your eye kind of, your sock kind of protects your eye. And we're just so used to seeing guys get hit around yeah. the eye. Um, so, all right. So you started in 89 then as general manager of the Rangers, correct? Yeah. So in then five years, you turned that team into a Stanley Cup champion. Yep. Did you have a, uh, so you talked before about kind of patterning uh, yourself after the Islanders and what they did. Did, did you do, ultimately do that? Well, Tom, it wasn't as easy as, as, as saying in 89, okay, we're going to win the cup by such and such a date. It just, things started to fall into place. I really think the gift I was given by the Islanders and by Bill Deneen, who coached Adirondack Red Wings, we won two cups together in the American League. The gift I was given was what it takes to win and what you need to win and to really win. Like, and, it, and I have always said, unless you've been there and I got the gift of being there, you really don't know. Cause you know, you're like, how do you do that? And so with Al Arbor and Bill Torrey, just the way they walked and talked and yeah, said things about players and the, and the, and the chemistry you needed on the team. Um, and the other gift I was given was uh, I got 89. So I get the job. And Roger Nielsen applies for the job. And I'm thinking, ah, Roger Nielsen, been around. Yeah, I need somebody newer than that. And it ends up by by hooker, by crook. I end up hiring him. And he taught me so much because I'm 35. And at that time, he was, who knows what he was at that time, 50-something. Yeah. And, um, you know, here I've got this veteran guy that's like, I don't know how to plan training camp. I don't know how to plan. I've been a scout. So he did everything. And... Um, was the greatest guy, was just the greatest guy for me and uh, really helped my career. And then what happened was you go through, you learn, you know, you make, uh, I was able to make those trades for Bernie Nichols and Mike Gardner my first year, near the end of my first year. And that got me this reputation of big trades. Well, to me, it was a no brainer. You get a guy that scored 70 goals a year before in Bernie Nichols. And uh, I like Thomas Sandstrom and Tony Granato. They're great players, but you know, Nichols was special. That's and then you got that you treated those guys. That's right. Yeah. I think I can stop it for one second. Like the one thing that you talked about like gaining some confidence, almost arrogance, it's to make that big trade that some people are going to, like, they're going to question that trade. Like some people would have said, listen, Thomas Sanser and Grado are really good players. You know, is it really worth Barry Nichols? But you've got to have that confidence to believe that that is the right move, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. You got to have, and you've got to say to yourself, okay, this, this might cost me my job. It might cost me a lot, but I got to do it. I, I got to do what I got to do because I'm in New York and I, 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 yeah. I can't sit still and do nothing. Well, yeah. Neil, but what is it like to actually tell a human being, okay, now you live across the country? What, what goes into that to, on your end of it? How does that, like, what is the toll it takes on you doing that or does it? Well, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a great, um, a great uh, story about that. Now that you bring it up, I just remembered this. So my first trade where I traded a person from our team to another team was actually Michelle Petit to Quebec for Randy Moeller. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I couldn't sleep the night before all night, the night before couldn't sleep. It was like, just, 
is he just going to tell me to go screw myself? Is he going to tell me you're an asshole? You know, what do you know about hockey? Uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, was worried about all this stuff. And of course, then it was easy. When I did it, it was nothing. You know, the players are just like, okay, yeah. you know, part of the business. The other one that I really stressed out about it was, uh, Tommy, you'll love this. At training camp in 89, Roger comes to me and goes, ah, we just can't have Dion on the team. Dion, look, I just can't. We can't. <laughs> That's a good invitation. That's good. Dion wrote it. Yeah, Dion wouldn't uh, buy into the system, right? There's no way he would buy into Roger's right. yeah. defensive stuff. So people just hear what Neil's talking about. So uh, Roger Nielsen was a really defensive coach. And where Marcel Dion would just take the button and do what he wants. I traded for you a couple of years yeah. earlier. Yeah. That's right. And so uh, he says to me, you know, we just can't have to. It's just it's got to work. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, this guy's older than me. The was older than me, you know? And he said, no, yeah. yeah. Like, he's the Hall of Fame yeah. great player. So now I got to call Alan Eagleson and deal with Alan Eagleson and, and on this mammoth contract that he's got. You know what it was? What? 500. 550 was his contract. Vice versa. Oh, wait. So he's making? Oh, wow. That's what Marcel Dion was making. Wow. And so I had to pay him that year. I think we worked out a deal anyway, so we paid him. It, it, that was very difficult for me. I mean, Marcel Dion, my God, like I probably tried to pretend I was him in the driveway. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. And here's the clincher to that. So Marcel Dion goes into the Hall of Fame a, a number of years later, and I go to the Hall of Fame thing, and Emil Francis is there with me. And Emil Francis goes up to Marcel's wife and says, oh, hey, you know, congratulations, Hall of Fame, this and that. Oh, by the way, this is Neil Smith. Uh, she looked at me and goes, oh, you're the man that ended my husband's career. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. It's tough. But um, getting back to things, you know, you 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 learn that you got to do what you got to do. And um, I wanted to win and I wanted the job. So I had to do what I had to do. I just told myself every day, you got to do what you got to do. You got to you got to do it. You can't wuss out on it. So is that what you were saying to yourself when you hired uh, Mike Keenan? This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go back to 92 first because that they got very close. Neil built a great team in 92 that won the president. That's right. And hit ready for yeah, roadblock yeah. in Pittsburgh. So in, in 89-90, we win the Patrick Division which was the first time they'd won a division since 1942. Never won first place since 1942. So we won it, I'll tell them. In a week, Patrick Division, in a week, 
the Patrick division, we won first place. <laughs> the next year, we lose in the second round. No, or was it the first round? We lose to Washington. And um, there had been some changes at Paramount. So in came Stanley Jaffe. He won more changes. I wanted changes because I, you know, we weren't getting to where I thought we should go. So we brought in guys like Tim Kerr and um, uh, and others. We made a lot of changes. Um, so that was a, uh, and, and, and of course I also got, um, Adam Graves, who I knew from drafting him in Detroit. I signed him as a, as a group one free agent. Remember that Tom, there was yep. no, yep. you could sign him and you had him. Yeah. And then I restricted. Yeah. That's the, that's the, they call that the unrestricted free agent. Yep. Then it was equalization. You had to go and give them equalization somehow. And if you couldn't give them, if you couldn't agree that it went to an arbitrator. Oh, um, I did a one arbitrator, and I gave. Uh, they got uh, Troy Millet, which is who I because he was okay. So, so I and then we and then we traded for Miss. And that was ninety one, ninety two, and then we have this tremendous year. Miss wins MVP, um, and and, and I, it's funny. I've talked to people lately who said that they liked our ninety two team better than the ninety four team, right. but we had that bad luck in Pittsburgh where Ronnie Francis scored from outside the blue line on Mike. And um, we we were up uh, two games to one. We would have been up three to one, and then they tied it two two. And then they never lost another game all the way to the cup. They they never lost one more game. So we 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 probably could have won it that year. Should have won. We won the president's trophy, and we probably uh, should have won that year, but we didn't. And then um, we go into the summer of uh, ninety two ninety three and. We're coming back with a team, and uh, Mess is not happy. I mean, I'm I'm putting this in a but without Mess, I don't have a career, so I'm not criticizing him at all. But I do have to tell the truth, which was he didn't think we could win with Roger. Oh, isn't Curly Jean? And he was right. Actually, he was right. He, he was he was absolutely right. But my heart didn't want to do it. You know, I didn't want to hear that. I wanted. Hey, I love. Can I ask you? Can I ask you, Neil? How did he handle that? Did he come to you in the office and say, "Listen, we just can't win." Was he like a little professional about it, or was he was he pissed? No, no, he wasn't pissed. He we signed him to a new contract at the beginning of that season, mm-hmm. um, and when he dropped, I remember I was in Pittsburgh and he dropped it off in my suite, and he said, "Well, thanks, Neil. This is great." And he says, "But I <laughs> I gotta tell you one thing: we're we're never gonna win with this coach." And I was like, "Oh no, I would love Bumber." And, yeah, because uh, so can you imagine, right? So the star of maybe the league, one of the top uh, leaders ever, comes to you in your suite and says, "You're not going to win with this coach." Like he doesn't. Yeah, I just don't like him a little bit. It's like just we're not going to win with him. Right. Yeah, and and this 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 is a father figure to me. I mean, yeah. this is a guy where I loved. I've ran. I've done jogging with him and his dog. I've done all kinds of stuff with him. And and so the year went on. Um, we faltered a lot. Mess got injured. Leach got injured. We did a lot of different things. So we weren't doing well at all. By I forget what month it was. So I had to, I had to, you know, change Roger. And I brought Ron Smith up because he, he was having this unbelievable year in the layers. So he came up and coached the rest of the year. Quick story about firing Roger. Was up all night again. Took the car to Rye. Walked into his office. Looked at him. Started bawling my eyes out. Just turned front. And he knew right away, like, obvious you know and i said i'm i'm just sorry i i did i i was just in tears honestly i was was he aware of mess's feelings toward him i think he was by then because there was so much friction going on with the locker room and stuff right. it kind of naive roger you know in some ways but 
I think he knew that. Anyway, long story short, we still won't make the playoffs. Now we have to do something dramatic as the season's ending. So as the season's coming down to the end, I said to my superiors, I said, we got to get a guy who's used to coaching stars because we now have not just Mass, but we got Kevin Lowe and we got Eddie Olchuk and we got um, Adam Graves has turned into quite a player, but he was, you know, he was humble. Uh, we got Tekin and we got all these guys that are used to winning and they're tough to manage, right? And I, I would think for a coach. Yep. Yep. And I said, I think there's only three guys out there that can do it. And that's Scotty Bowman who's coaching Pittsburgh. Al Arbor, who's coaching the Islanders, or actually, I think he was VP of the Islanders at that time. I think he took a couple of years off. And I said, or Mike Keenan, he just got fired from Chicago. He's the only guy available. So we went and got Mike Keenan, like just negotiated into a deal to get Mike Keenan. Now, Neil, can, can I ask you a question? So he's got quite the reputation at this point, right? Like Mike Keenan takes care of Mike Keenan. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's business. But he became that guy that a lot of GMs would hesitate about hiring because felt like he wasn't going to listen to anybody. Right? Did you feel That's that way? Right. Um, I didn't know it to that extent. And here's my arrogance. My arrogance was I'll get along with anybody. I can, I can work with any, right. nobody's going to bother me. You know, I don't have, I'm not going to, it's not going to bother me. So I, we hire him and, um, I mean, Tommy, right from friggin' get go, I know like, oh no, like this is, <laughs> a, it's a nightmare. Like seriously from training camp, right on. I knew it was a little, I said to him. Um, one of the things I said was, uh, I came into the office and right, we we're going to have the first meeting. Now you have the first meeting at training camp with the players. Yeah. Sure. She talks to you, coach talks to you in, you know, like a meeting room or something. I said, well, I, like, you got this, do you want me to be there? Or, I don't give a fuck if you're there, Neil, if you want to be, be there. And I'm going like, okay, you know, what do you, what do you say? Like, what, yeah. what, what am I going to do? Um, Some guy talks to the boss that way, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and and doesn't consider you the boss, obviously, because he's he's so arrogant. So, right. so then um, then we go over that year and we play two games in uh, London, England, against the Leafs. Do you remember that? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great trip. We beat them both games, and they were good. Pat Burns was a coach. Cliff Fletcher was a GM. They had a real good team that year, um, and we won both games. We get back on the plane. It's a big seven forty seven or something commercial. It's not obviously charter, and we're flying back. And I'm sitting beside my wife, and I said, "I gotta go find this trick now. Find out. We gotta talk about the players. So you're supposed to be talking about who did you like, who, what do you think, this and this and this." So I get up, I walk up to one of our guys, and I said, "Where's Keenan sitting?" He go, "Oh, Keenan's not on a flight." I go, "What?" They go, "No, no, he took a flight direct to Chicago to see Gala, his daughter." Oh wow! It didn't bother to tell the general manager. <laughs> He's told me, didn't, you know, and I'm the president too at that time. Oh, president, right. yeah. So, um, so I knew that it was, you know, this is going to, there, there were more stuff, ta uh, guys that were really ignorant on his part. Like, I don't mind saying it because it's the truth. Like Dave yeah. Smith, you remember Dave Smith? Yeah. Great guy. Dave Smith said, you know how hard it was on me, Neil, that you would call Rye and ask for Mike. I'd put you on hold. He was on the trainer's tape and he would tell me to just tell you that I wasn't here, that he wasn't there. And he'd call you, say, you know, that you'll try to give me a message. Like he was that condescending in front of your, in front of your employees. Like, you know, so. And do you think he knew what he, do you think he knew what he was doing? We've talked to different people like Mark Howell about like, did he really have a plan to be like that? I think, I think that was his shtick. I think it was, uh, I think it still is. I think it's, yeah. I think his life has been one of adversi being adversarial in a non-physical way. And he's never been in a fight, he's never been in a fight in his life, I don't think, has he? No. 
That's I, that's the amazing thing when you watch him. Like you get all these guys that play tough and everything. And we like I remember I was trying out for the Olympic team and he tried out with me. I couldn't even remember him on the ice. Uh, yeah. And then when he didn't have a job, he'd be calling me up like he wanted me to call Don Waddell and he knew we were buddies. He's like he's sucking up to me. Meantime, he's like when he's walking down the hallway at the Spectrum when he's coaching, he'd walk right by me like he never knew who I was. You know, he did things that uh, I mean I remember Colin Carroll telling me stories about that rye when. Uh, He'd tell Coley to go get Tony Amlati or go get Adam Graves or go get Joey Koser or go get one of these guys to come into the office. And he'd say stuff to them. And he, Coley said to me, he says, I looked at Gravy and I knew I had his le I had his right arm. I could grab his right arm. Oh, for you. Because any one of those guys oh, yeah. could have knocked the crowd yeah. out of him. Yeah, totally. And, and, but can you mention I'm the balls to say to Adam Graves? Like, like the class act of class acts, right? Absolutely. Great. Yep. And and even Joey Koser, like I've known Joey since he was 18 years old. I wouldn't see him. Oh, I'd, I would. I didn't want to go near Joey Koser. He would one punch. Oh, he would kill Keenan. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, that was that was Keenan's thing. And it, you know what? He he got lightning in a bottle that year. He caught the right team with all the right players, and everything was set. He was the right guy, obviously, because he won. But he was never successful after that. Like, I mean, go to other teams in that. He, his act didn't wear well. In fact, we got Wayne because of Keenan. Because if you remember, Wayne was traded from the Kings to St. Louis, where Keenan was a coach, and, and was only there from the deadline to the end of the playoffs and hated Keenan so bad and would never go back. Oh, I didn't know that part. Oh, wow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a touche. Yeah, that's hard for Wayne to be like that. Wayne's not like that at all. That best of You're bad for him. Yeah. No, he's, no Wayne's in the, Wayne will see good in any doubt. Yeah. No, he admitted it though. He admitted it when we were on Howard Stern together in, in uh, '96. He admitted that he didn't like he. Oh, in fact, he said he hated him. Yeah, that's rare for Wayne Gretzky to see. He, he took a lot of right? prodding. At first, he tried to you know tried to play it off being yeah. diplomatic, but then finally came around. He's like, yeah. Tell you the guys have no problem. Like Brett Hall has no problems. Yeah. Well, you know what? You look at it now too. The stories I hear from guys like Mess really took over the team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So really, the, and I, that's it, it's good you're on the show. So you assembled, and you talked about it before, not just a talented enough team, but a character enough team too, a leadership team, right? With Messier and Graves and Leach. You know, it seemed like they all followed Mess, right? So and Adam Graves is good because he knew that was his role to be like the assistant to Mark Messier. And you put that team together. So it's yeah. like, you look at it, it's, I mean, yes, Keenan was there as the coach, but you assembled the team that really didn't even need a coach, to be honest. Well, yeah, to be honest, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I just think whenever you win a cup, you know, whatever role, whoever was there was the perfect guy if you win the cup, right? Yeah, yeah so, very true. And I think that, um, you know, we also had Kevin Lowe, who was, yeah. yep. what a great, and McTavish was there. McTavish is a good leader as well, right? And he was a big, he was a leader. Well, and, you know, Larver yeah. was there. And I also want to say, because this is just the way I am, I was very, very lucky that, while I was trying to do this, guys became available that I could do it with. Right. You know, Steve Armour, all of a sudden, after all those consecutive games, it ruins his Ironman streak and sits out and says, I'm not playing for Chicago anymore. Oh, I didn't and we're, Yeah, that's how we got him because, uh, you know, and then, you know, Mess, Pocklington didn't want to pay Mess. And so Mess became available. And then Kevin Lowe, you know, he wanted a chance to make some money at one of his career. So, you know, they traded Kevin Lowe. Eddie Olchuk, who... Didn't end up playing much for the Stanley Cup team, but was a star. Was in with yeah. You know, and Mike Smith decides he's going to trade him to me for Chris King and Ty Domi. That worked out well for Winnipeg, but I mean, you can't, it's really tough to say that Eddie Olchuk, 
Chris King and Ty Dalton. I love those guys. But I mean, right? Eddie Olchuk, he was a star. Yeah, it's like you said. You, know, you took you took really big swings. You said that early in this interview, and, and it, it worked out for you. Jeff Boop was another guy. Boop, the Boop trade was good too, right? Yeah. The Boop trade happened. That how that happened was so it was a million bucks. Bernie Nichols, Louis DeBrusque, and Stephen Wrights for Mess. That was the trade. Okay, and I said to Stanley Jaffe, I said, Stanley, we got to tell them that we're not giving them the money unless we get Bookaboo. He says, What? Who's that? I go. He's a good young defenseman there. He's huge. And I said, we need a guy like that. We need a young guy. You know, with all we're giving up, you know. So I call Sather, and he's fucking furious with me, uh, saying, like, I'm going to look like a village idiot. And blah, 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 blah. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Let's make it as a second trade, and I'll trade you David Shaw for him, you know, a week from now. And he had no choice because he had to get the money for the owner, right? right, right. So sure. I got, I ended up getting Bookaboo for David Shaw. People need to know, too, at that time, uh, Glenn Sather, who's a GM in, in Edmonton and had a lot of success, was he was kind of like the top dog, right? Like, everybody just, like, feared him, and he was up. I'm bad. He's walking around. He's got some arrogance to him, too, and I mean that in a good way. He's, he believes in himself. So for you to be, like, kind of fleecing him a little bit, he must have just drove him nuts. Has he ever said anything uh, to you since then? Uh, not real. I mean, he would never admit that he didn't get the best of all yeah. trades. I mean, there were a lot of trades with him, and... Um, he would never admit to that, but he um, he did say though publicly um, Neil had the had the courage to stand up and trade for Mess when nobody else would, and and what he meant by that, as it seems obvious now that you would trade for Messi, it wasn't back then. I mean, you were still in the league. Mess was thought of as a guy with high mileage, been through a lot of a lot of Canada Cups, Stanley Cup final, a lot of stuff, a lot of miles, and maybe this was just Sather again trading away a guy that was done. And the Rangers doing the typical Ranger thing like they did with Marcel Dion and Blade Stoughton and on and on and on or getting a guy past his prime. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, there, there not everybody was in favor of making that trade, believe it or not, to this day. Now that it's the, you know, mythological character that it is. Yeah. Wow. Imagine the egos in that locker room, Mike Keenan, Mark Messier. I mean, they're, they, and I mean that in a very good way. Like to do what those men did, to lead the way they led. Man, they, they had to believe in themselves a lot. Like Mess, the stuff that he did, the way he handled himself. So did so the rumors about Messier taking kind of taking charge of the team. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna ask. The, the, the urban myth is that Keenan just kind of quit in the Devil series. Did that happen or can you speak to that? Well, he, he we were in that gloom in the I mean, we were doing okay. And but then we're in that what game four it would have been when he had a meltdown and took out Richter and put in heels, bench Leachy. Bench somebody else, I think Mac T or somebody. And I'm like, what the F are you doing? Like, what's going on here? You're, 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 we're only down by a goal or two and, and we're just taking ourselves right out of it. So I remember coming back being livid about this and going into, going into game five. And, and everybody in the organization was all shook up because, like, what are we doing? We've got a chance to finally do this and we're, we're self destructing. It, that that was really hard. I don't know that he quit. I mean, I wasn't in the locker room. I wasn't with the players, but he certainly did stuff that was, uh, you know, like what are you doing? You're sending the wrong message to the players, the fans, everybody that you know you're giving up on this thing. So um, it was mess that did take the team by the bootstraps, and I'm not sure it was some motivational talk that he gave them, or it wasn't just by his own presence and by the things he would say that would give people confidence that we're going to win. I know when he came out with that guarantee, people have asked me that a lot. What did you think when he said, 
a guarantee we're going to win tonight. I was like, that's great. I want to win so bad. Thank God he's going You know, yeah. like I was so happy that he, because all I'm doing, as you guys know, is I'm sitting there hoping. I'm up in the up in the, my box just eating popcorn and hoping that, that we're going to win. Um, so to hear him say that as arrogantly and as confidently as that was made me, made me really, made me really believe, you know, that we could do it. Yeah. He had that ability, right. To really act in that way that he believed in it so much that everybody else would said, well, if he believes it, then I believe it too. Right. So. Well, he had a lot of, Miss had, Miss had, and still has, I mean, a lot of things that you could learn from him about winning in that, you know, you've got to, you've got to see it to make it happen. Yeah. To believe it before it can happen. All these different things. And he walked with a, he really walked with a, um, a the walk of a winner, a guy that said, I'm, I'm going to win. Not, it wasn't a put down to anybody else. What it was was, you know, hold your head high. Here we go, boys. You know, like he, he physically and mentally does that. He still does that now when we go to events. He's got that shin up in the air and he's just got that look. That, yeah, I'm Mark Messier and yeah, we're going we're gonna to win. Huh? We played an outdoor, outdoor game uh, against Philadelphia. I guess like 10 years ago now. And we were doing the pre-game or skating a little bit before we went down there to play. And we were over at practice facility. He was on the ice and I skated by and I said, so are we playing to win? Looks at me go, is there any other way? <laughs> it's not, <guess> so. <laughs> that, that. And he does that on ENT, I think. He, yes, they're not ENT, but ESPN, I'm sorry. Excuse me, ESPN. Um, I think he, he holds that confidence on ESPN when he says things and the way he looks. And I mean, he still looks like he could play. Yeah, he's in that flight. Great, definitely. So you so you go on you win the cup and then Mike Keenan, it was right after the cup that Mike Keenan was he well, said a bonus was kind of during the cup he was making his his plot to get out of there right uh, yeah here's the thing that I had heard this I had heard this but I was trying to um, ignore it because all I wanted obviously guys was to win the cup I mean I go wherever you want to go when this is over but please for God's sake win um, and I had heard that he was negotiating with Detroit uh, whether him or his rep was. And then it was... Um, this is during the finals? During the final, yeah. Oh, wow. And then, you know, we win. And then um, I'm hearing that, uh, you know, this stuff he, wa- he wants to get out and he's going to use, if, if, the, if the bonus checks don't come on time, they're supposed to be in the contract that said they have to be paid by July 1st, that if it didn't get there by July 1st, he would take a breach of contract and that's the way he would get out. Well, he, he'd already made a deal with St. Louis found, you know, said that this was a breach and then went to St. Louis and which Gary Bevan found all to be nonsense. Um, and if you remember Keenan was suspended for the first 20 games or something of the season, St. Louis was fine. Um, you know, so it was a big, it was a big brouhaha for me. I was just thrilled. We'd gotten two things that I really wanted the cup and Keenan to leave. <laughs> so you know because you couldn't work with him another year right. i mean he'd already cost us we won the cup yes but he'd already cost us tony amante who i knew was going to be a star play right. so you know how many more is he going to cost us how many well, more? how do you, what do you mean that cost us yeah please tell us how that works for for, for a fan side because he just he's haranguing you to get rid of amante is that how that was that yeah, was long haranguing me to trade amante for stefan Leto, and um and you know, at, at certain times, haranguing about other players that you'll think I'm, I'm BSing about, but I'm not. Like you know, who do you think's better, Leach or Chelly? Leach or Chelly? Leach. Well, I said Leach. I, I don't Leach. Well, that's who we have. We have Leach. I mean, I'm not, I don't. 
but everybody that was in Chicago was better than everybody we had. That's where you can start. You seem out coaches. But, you know, how, how much more was he going to cost the organization if, if we kept him there? Because we had, we'd made a lot of, I mean, he cost us Mike Gartner for Glenn Anderson. I liked Glenn Anderson. He did really well for us. But Glenn Anderson didn't have a contract after that year and left in like a St. Louis. And Mike Gartner still had a year to go. We would have still had Mike Gartner. But there was no thinking anything down the road with Mike. It was all like, I need this today for me. And this is what I think I can win with. Thre- said to me one time near the near the trade deadline, if you don't trade Gartner, I'm not going to dress him. I'm like, what? So it was like, it was that kind of insanity going on. So you win the cup then. The next year, what happens with the team next year? Well, we have the lockout, and so we don't play the West at all. No. We only play the East. We don't get playing and raise the banner until January 20th, I believe it was. So the whole the year is sort of a... It's a weird year. year. Yeah, we don't really get to be the champs in the way that you should get to be the champs. Um, there wasn't the, the whole year pressure, like going back to training camp and saying, okay, you're the Stanley Cup team. Will you be able to do it again? And so... We end up getting into the playoffs that year. We, we beat Quebec, who was the best team in the league. And they had Wendell Clark that year and, and, and others. In fact, that was the last year they were in the league. Yep. Uh, we played in the last game ever at Quebec Coliseum. And then, then won we, the cup the next year. Yeah, they won the cup the next year as Colorado. And we lost four straight to the Philadelphia Flyers with Lindros and the Lynch of Doom. They were just coming into their own in, in 95. And, uh, and then, of course, we all know the Devils win against Detroit with their famous Jacques Lemaire shutdown team that they had where you, you're lucky to get the double digits and shots on goal in a game, right? Did you remember that? Yeah, Marty Berder, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah it's crazy. So how many more years did you have as general manager and president with the Rangers? Uh, I had after that up until 2000, 99, 2000. And it was really changing ownership that cost me my a, my job because you know, I, I had been telling everybody all the way along, including the public, like, okay, you know, we're trying to win, we're trying to win, but there's going to be a price to pay down the road. You can't trade Doug Wheat, Tony Amonte, uh, Brad, uh, sorry, Todd Marshall, and and uh, and not pay a price down the road because you don't don't have the other players. And then they brought in in the '94 negotiation that w- was the lockout. They brought in free agency at an earlier age, and so who had the best players? The older best players is the Rangers. We started losing guys uh, to free agency. So that year, Noonan left, Anderson left, others uh, started to leave the next year. And we're in a rebuild, try to do a rebuild, but then they change all, they, then they sell the team. So the next people up, they don't know, you know, where I started in 89. And this is a problem with New York a lot of times. If you're with Mike Illich and the, and the, the Red Wings, well, they know exactly when you started and what it was like and how you progressed the organizational log. If you're in New York and you don't know much about hockey to begin with, and you've just taken over this uh, corporation that happens to own the garden and owns the Rangers, well, you're like, well, why can't you win it this year? Yeah. So we struggled. I tried to bring, I tried to have a lot of young players on the teams those late 90s. We missed the playoffs. Mess left. I mean, that's another big story, you guys. Uh, Mess left to go to Vancouver because the ownership didn't want to pay him more than Wayne was getting paid. And then he said, well, screw you went to Vancouver and we were rebuilding and you know I was the uh, collateral damage of uh, trying to rebuild was that Mr. Dolan was that they came in about the team that well the cablevision bought the team along with ITT uh, and ITT was a conglomerate 
Google and Sheraton hotels. Uh, we reported to them during most of those tiers. And then near the end, uh, in like 98, 99, 99, 2000, it became Cablevision. ITT was gone. They had sold the whole thing to Cablevision. And um, the Dolans, who uh, owned the majority shares of Cablevision, were the controlling interests. So, yes, it was them. And now, of course, you know that they've sold off Cablevision and they own the garden outright. As uh, So they're actually the owner rather than just the um, most biggest shareholder. So where'd you go after New York? After New York, I, I kicked around a, a number of places um, doing consulting. I was consulting for Pierre uh, Gauthier and Lady Ducks. And then I worked for Craig Patrick for a while with Pittsburgh. I worked for Brian Burke when, uh, later on in the 2000s there. I did a lot of TV, Tom, uh, on Network and on ESPN and on others. I really enjoyed that. My real bad luck happened in the summer of, oh, I think it was the summer of 05, when Toronto Maple Leafs decided to hire a new GM. Pat Quinn had been coaching GM. They decided to make him just the coach. And I got interviewed multiple times. It came right down to me and John Ferguson Jr., and they hired John Ferguson Jr. And I was a, here's the Toronto guy that had won the cup, dealt with big media, had all the I's dotted and T's crossed, but they decided to choose someone else. And that's what really hurt because had that happened, um, I would have been off and running again. When it didn't happen, you start to get to that point where people are going, well, what's wrong with this guy? There's got to be something. Hiring. And so I remember thinking that, like, you, you come in here and win the cup. Put, you put that team together, you win the cup, you deal with Mike Keenan. Yeah, why doesn't Neil Smith get hired again as general manager? Yeah, and I took that job with the Islanders in, in 2006. Oh, nice. Yep. You know, a sort of thing being, well, you know, this is where I started. I'll be with, uh, you know, I'll be in Bill Torrey's office. I'll be, you know, this all this, again, these um, iconic things dancing around in your head. And I, I should have paid more attention to who I was going to work for because it was an impossible situation. As soon as I got it was impossible, and I was gone after a couple of months. I just, I said, no, I can't and, do this. and who was that again? Who was your owner there? Charles Wong. Oh, that's right. Yes, you and Pat Lafontaine left at the same time, right? You guys both got yeah. out of there. Yeah, and 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 Charles wanted it that everybody had input into everything. So you had Mike Milbury there still, who was the ex GM. Oh, still mad. He's worse than Keenan. Well, leave that for another day. <laughs> we do a whole show on that one. Yeah, it yeah, seems like too many cooks. You know, it was an impossible situation. You're called GM, but you weren't doing GM duties. And I thought, you know, I'm going to ruin my reputation that I have as being a winning guy if I go to this thing and it's just a crap show again. And like I said to him about changes, and he, he Wong would say to me, we have a good organization. We don't need to make those changes. And I would say, well, what did you bring me in for if you've got a good organization? Like, you got to, you missed the playoffs 100 years in a row. Yeah, especially when you get people like, I'm really low on Mike Milbury too, the way he handles himself, but. All right, so you you tried that. Was there any other opportunities to be a GM? Uh, not really. After that, there was no nothing offered. I mean, there's been things come and go. It's kind of frustrating right now, Tom and Tom, because you see opportunities like, for example, the one in Toronto right now that just got filled by Brad Treadling. And good man, did a good job in Calgary. No, no, no debating that. Um, but you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, I'm from Toronto. I won the cup. Yeah, put together this team. I, I follow it still, like right up to knowing every player. Like I, I asked the media guys personally, confidentially, what do they think? And they said, well, the first thing you're here is you've been out too long. And I'm like, 
was this bodybuilding or is this being a GM? Like, I can understand being out too long. You, it would be like a, a guy who's been a great lawyer, takes time off from his law practice, comes back, and then they say, oh, no, you, you, you can't represent us. You've been out too long. Yeah, there's that recency bias. Which is... Well, you know what gets me too, like uh, Kyle Dubas, for example, and I've heard great things about him. He's a very intelligent man, all the analytics and everything, but he's never won anything. He couldn't take Toronto past with the first round, uh, and now he's hired right away to take over the whole operation there in Pittsburgh. You know, guys, I think the reason why, Tom, you and I and others from our genre don't understand it is because we were brought up in the NHL, at least I know I was, and I'm sure you were, is to... Show me what you've won. And it, when you've won, then I'll listen to you. Until you've won, I don't want to I don't want to hear from you. And if you ever win, you are sure to get more jobs down the road because it's so hard to find guys who win, who have won. And what's gone? Yeah. That's yeah. gone. Well, I think it's Scotty Bowman, right? And I mean, with all due respect when I say this, I mean Scotty Bowman, Scotty Bowman also had some bad years, like the teams in Buffalo weren't yeah. that good that he coached. But he had built, just like you said, he had built that reputation as a winner, so he always kept getting new chances all the time. Right. And, so, and it didn't matter It didn't matter if you knew the inside stories on Scotty yeah. from Pittsburgh or you knew other stories that we've all heard. I mean, it didn't matter because he, all you got to say is he's got seven or eight or whatever it is, Stanley Cup rings, um, and, and they keep getting chances. But now you see guys who keep getting chances or get chances that have never won anything at any level. I guess I'm I'm befuddled by, and I'm not knocking even those guys. What I'm knocking is the guys who hire people with the goal that I want my organization to win the Stanley Cup. Okay, great. That's what you want. That's what you should want. All 32 of you should want that. Tell me what it is about this man that you just hired that tells you he knows how to win the Stanley Cup and can guide you there. But that's the guy. That's yeah. That's the guy in Toronto, Brad Tree Leaving. And like you said, from what I hear, a fantastic person. So it's not a personal attack on him. But he's never won anything, right? And he hasn't. You know, what encounter he do? Yeah, he hasn't really shown that he could put together a winner. But and that, that's the thing that amazes me about you. The team that you put together. Probably look back at the history of teams that have won the Stanley Cup. Like for you to assemble that team in five years, that character team that you put together. It's obviously you knew the pieces of the puzzle you need to get. I'm sitting there going, okay, that's what I want. If I want to win, and again, big swings too. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I guess I don't get it. Like, it's it's I don't want to criticize anybody, but I do want to say that, like, on Kyle Dubas, who's never played, yeah. never won, never coached, and clearly, clearly to me, clearly to me, showed with Toronto's lineup that he didn't know how to put together a winner, like the exact opposite of what you did with the Rangers. He just couldn't figure it out. Like, he couldn't get those character guys together. He felt like I have all these skilled guys, and then I'll go get a couple of tough guys. So the team's now going to have more character. It just doesn't work. No. That way. Well, absolutely. And then, and then the other the thing, though, that I think that happened in Toronto and, and, you know, everything, there's complications to everything. So before we start criticizing anyone, we should understand that there may not be people available and all the rest of it at that particular time. But what was the one thing a year ago today that Toronto needed more than any? Golden. 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 You know what their answer was? Matt Murray. Yeah, I know. Who was in the minors the year before? Well, Matt Murray played for, for Ottawa, you know, was traded from Pittsburgh to Ottawa, had a horrible years in Ottawa, right in the province, in the same province. But I be, I guess because Matt Murray played for um, the coach, uh, show, and I think he might have played for um, in the Sioux for um, Dubas, that they got him in there. Now what happens is during the season, 
he's um, he, he really is a guy that gets hurt quite often. He's got very low pain tolerance. They they didn't get the most integral hog you need to team win. They didn't get that. And I'm not saying that that costs them the playoffs, but you know you're a GM. You, you look at things and say, what's what's the most important position on a hockey team? Goaltending. You have to. It's like having a house and having a broken window. Like you know it needs to be fixed. Yeah. Fix it. So what are you doing now, Neil? Now I work for UBS, uh, the financial firm, and um, I go to all the games at UBS Arena with the Islanders. In fact, here's so uh, something I wanted to show you, not because I'm uh, not on their fan, but to see. I'll uh, uh, put that away. What is wrong with you? Put that away. That's in the flood. Well, they're paying me. They're paying. Oh, um, right. Also got this you'd like to see, which is. Bring out the rat. Oh, look at that. Florida. <laughs> where, yeah, where, where are you living? I live in South Carolina. But I went to for that game four to see them knock out the, the game they knocked out Carolina. So, yeah, it's it's been, Tom, it's been fun, Tom and Tom and St. Tom. Cool. Um, it's been fun because. I've gone full circle. I've gone from the days of idolizing the Islanders in the late 70s when I was playing for Western Michigan all through all these years, and now I'm back again, not with the Islanders really, but I'm back in that Islander thing, and I see Dennis, and I see Brian Trotche, and I see John Tonelli. Yeah. And I really have fun. It's really because they're my age, and it's fun to see them. And You know, I, I unfortunately, I don't have that with the Rangers. I do have it with some of the players, you know, the 94 players and that, but you know, the alumni um, thing isn't as strong, uh, or at least it's certainly not for me with the Rangers. Um, they don't include me in anything. I don't get asked to go to anything. So well, we're going um, to fix We're going to fix that. We'll make some phone calls yep. to fix that. Okay. So well, I, I, didn't realize that, I didn't realize that was going or not going on. So we'll, we'll call Tommy, it. Not, Tommy, I haven't been to anything. They don't. Okay. And I think that's, um, well, that's, that's historic on that, but we'll talk about that some other time. So, Neil, you look back at it, you did something historic, you know, for the whole league, but here in the city of New York, winning the cup after all those years. Any regrets when you look back at all the stuff you did in your career? Uh, I'm sure there's some, Tom. I mean, um, I probably, I probably, um, I, I, reg I can tell you one thing. Personally, I regret not um, being more of a political guy trying to make sure that I'd be in work forever with other teams and all this. I was so Ranger oriented that I never thought the day would ever come that I wouldn't be with the Rangers. So I, I didn't go glad handing and schmoozing and yeah, ass kissing the way some people do while they've got a job to make sure they get another job. I didn't, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that in the national hockey league. Yeah. I, I didn't do that. And that's a mistake on my part because anyway, that, that was just a mistake on my part. I, I think I regret I don't, I don't know what I could regret with the Rangers. I mean, I did everything to the best of my ability. I, I, I really am sad that that they didn't understand once we won the Cup that this isn't going to happen very often. You're going to have to pay a price, but just be happy that you did it. Just yeah. be happy you got one. We'll try to win another one. We'll try to keep going, but then we're going to have to rebuild and try to make it so that we can win a few of these, not just one every 80 years. That is interesting, right? Because mo most hockey people will look at what you did and already recognize this. They're going to pay the price for it down the road, what you did, but you won the, cup, the Stanley Cup. Most people in the hockey world just understood that was it. So, but like you said, the new ownership comes in. They don't know hockey that well. All they're saying is right now the team's not that good. You're the general manager, so you got Yeah, we got to move it out. And, and, you know, I guess the thing that um, that really, I guess, I guess it bothered me too that, 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 that they, they, you know, I was making – 
uh, like 800 or something back then, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. And they bright bringing Glenn Sather, who hadn't been 500 for years in the league, hadn't been since, and they pay him three million a year, and like he's going to be great white hope uh, coming in. And I'm the guy that really did do it, and I'm like, okay, you're out. We'll bring this guy in, Bruce. And then they started with their whole cycle again of let's get whatever old guy is out there that's been a star, let's bring him in, you know, then we go all the way from Bure to Lindros to Yager to, and they started that whole thing all over. Yep. Theo the Fleury, yeah, remember that? Oh, man. Devin Steven, Nathan Carter. You know what? It almost became predictable that any old guy that was available was going to sign with the Rangers, right? Yeah, and then, and then, and then they missed the playoffs four years in a row. His yep. first four years, they missed the playoffs. My first year, we, we won the division. Like, it was like, what guys? Well, he had that great quote when he was with the Orioles. He said, if I had the Rangers budget, I'd win the Stanley Cup every year. That's right. Yeah. But you're right, Tom. You did say that. And that's when, I think he actually said, if I had his, if I had his money, I'd win every year, meaning me. And I'm like, yeah, right, sure. Yeah. Well, Glenn, uh, Glenn, Glenn does not lack for confidence, that's for sure. That proved it. So, oh. Yeah, I just got two quick ones for you. Have you talked to Keenan since, or do you guys ever cross paths? I crossed paths with him on TV um, a number of years ago. We did some TV together. And then, of course, at the 94 um, 25th year anniversary, which would have been in 2019, um, I saw him there. And I haven't talked to him since. I heard he was coaching in Italy or something. Um, and I heard that his health wasn't great, which is unfortunate. Um, well, but Rod Duguay, Ron Duguay says he he's they're very good friends. He said Mike softened up quite a bit. Um, who knows if that's true or not, but that's what Duke says. Yeah, and I've seen I, Duke. Yeah. I, I said I saw Dukes a few times. I played hockey with him in Vegas on a Ruck Irish team. We had a lot of had a lot of fun. I text him now and then. Dukes is a, a good guy, as you know. He said he's an interesting guy. He's different. But yeah, still thinks he can play in the NHL right now. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. All right, Neil, second and last question for me is, uh, where's the ring? Right here. I, I made sure I had a ring. Oh, I got to see it. There it is. Nice. Oh, look at that. There it is. Do you still wear it out? I wear it, uh, yeah, when I go to games and wear it if, I'm, if I think that, you know, somebody would like to see it. I don't wear it, you know, awesome. normally because I don't like to draw that attention. And that's the truth. Like, if I'm going to wear it out to a restaurant or something, I don't want people saying, hey, what's that? What are what, what, what did you know, but at a game, you definitely want people looking at that and saying, here it is. I mean, that's the call. You know what I mean? In the role that I have at UBS Arena, I have that. I have my Islanders ring, and I wear them both. And it's sort of fun because I can say, oh, you don't like the Rangers? Well, here's an Islander ring. You don't like the Islanders? Here's the Rangers. How many, uh, people, have, how many people have won a cup with Rangers and the Islanders? Two. Greg Gilbert and Neil Smith. How did you know that? Oh, uh, that's good. It's that NYU education. That is good. That's impressive. Wow. Yeah, I use that trivia question. And nobody gets Gibby on that. They don't get it. They they they'll say something like Ely, and I'm like, no, no, Ely. Um, no, that's that's good. No, we're the only two that have the Ranger and Islander Stanley come out. You know who came close? Remember Mike McEwen? Like he would have come close, right? Didn't he win one cup with the Islanders? Sure. Yeah, but then you guys lost. Well, you weren't there. So he came close. Yeah. Did he win a lot? If you know who uh, Steve Tambellini got traded to Colorado? Was it for Mike McEwen? I know that he won that cup. So that was 81 or 82. Right. Yeah. I mean, Gillen was definitely a cue ball. Yeah. Cue ball. I was going to say, there's an interesting guy. We do a show on him. Well, Neil, listen, I think you've had a fantastic career. That goes without what I was saying to win the cup as you're very proud of yourself. I think so. I'm glad we call you a friend and you came on the show. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome interview. I, I enjoy it guys. And Tom, I, I, I can't, I know it's hard 
to uh, ingest this, but um, just remember one thing. We would all give up what we did to play in the NHL one game. Yeah. Just one game. So the players are the NHL. I'm not. Uh, the, nobody else is. It's the players that are the NHL. And it's the players. You know, I'm lucky because I found a way to participate in the NHL um, outside of being a player. But I will always um, have the greatest uh, admiration and and look up to guys that actually played in the NHL. I was never able to do it. I wasn't good enough. and um, But I squeaked into finding other ways to, to get in there. So just uh, I, you should be very proud of your career, and so I'm sure you are, but you should be, and the fact of what you can talk about, what you did um, as, a, as a player, because there's nothing like being a player. Yeah, it's funny. I appreciate you saying that. You think about it sometimes, especially as you're getting older. I go to a lot of events with the Rangers and you see all the fans out there and they still remember like back when I played, like when I first got back to the area, I thought nobody's going to remember me anymore, but you go to the events, everybody remembers those great days. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Great to see you again, Neil. Great to see you guys. Really good. Yeah. Thanks. Hey. Neil. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having Tom, how many guys, I mean, there's one guy in the world who can say he was the architect of the Ranger Stanley Cup, what yeah. living he would be. The great Neil Smith. Yeah, it was really good to talking to him again because I we played against each other in college and I really didn't run into him that much except when I was in the age business. Our fans, our fans do, or they are aware. <laughs> Were you on Survivor? Yes, it was to a pretty much start. Guest spot, right? You did a guest uh, start for it. Uh, so. But what I was great to remember of all the moves he made, I remember when that was happening, you can see that's like he's putting that character team together, you know, the Mark Messies, the Adam Graves, Kevin Lowe's, Jeff Bukmo, all those guys. And he did all that too. And even to take on Mike Keenan, yep. which is a, is a heavy load. Well, that was a, a good chunk of it. It's great to hear those inside stories, Aaron. You know, Keenan wanted a Monte gone. And, yeah. You know, it, it turned out a Monte turned out to have a great career and probably would have helped the Rangers. But Matteo got the goal. So, yeah. But yeah. And then even to like know after the fact that, you know, he got fired because, well, the team's not very good, right? Well, it's not good now because I gave away all the good younger hires to yeah. get to the Stanley Cup. So, so, yeah, you sell your soul a little bit. But, I mean, it's it's kind of a shame that he's not running the NHL team right now because that has a, he's done it. Right. And like he said himself, too, and I, I admire this in a way as a person, but I think it hurt him in his career where he was not a self-promoter. Yeah. Right? He wasn't out there pushing for jobs when he already had a job. And that happens it happens at all all careers. Yeah, anywhere. But you see you, you see those people and you can see right through them usually right yeah. away too. Yeah. But I guess some people don't. Good job. That was great to see him, man. That, this, it really brought back memories. I remember I, there's part of me that was very jealous when they were one of the cups. I said, yeah, you're oh, man. I, I can imagine how great it would be to win. But you're happy too. I even though I wasn't with the Rangers any longer. But you're gone seven years there. It's like, yeah, it's it's close. Yeah. It's tough. It's I remember thinking to myself watching it, going, "Oh, imagine what it'd be like to win." It was pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. Were you were you back living here? Or were you still? Uh, you so I would have been in Michigan at that time. Yeah. Yep. But going in the age of the city was insane. It was just yeah. it was insane. Yeah. It is fun when you go to events. Those guys are all great guys in '94. Guys, there's no different than anybody else. But the way they're treated by the fans, because you know that they're just like a, an inch taller than everybody else. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit. Yeah. They're great. I've got to be, you know, pretty good friends with Brian Leach and Steph Matova. Matt Leach is funny too. I think he's, uh, he's a good guy. Yeah, no, that, that was great. And it was it was really cool at the very end. I asked him this, you know, I said, Do you have the ring? He had it ready to go. Yeah. He had it right, right, right. This, yeah, you could tell, and rightfully so, he's very proud of what he helped accomplish. Should be. Yeah. And then he said at the end, he said, It's about the players. He was very humble. But I, I really think he's the one GM. If you look at the teams that have won cups, like the moves he made in the short period of time to get that team to that level. Yeah. 
Well, if you remember, uh, you might not. You were in Michigan. There was a, a headline in the back of the back page of the post that it was a roulette wheel. It's like the trade deadline. It was all the guys they acquired. You know, like basically saying like, Rangers are taking a big chance here. Yeah, you know? yeah. And they did it. That's true. Yeah, because you think about it, the game is pretty brave to do that because we don't win. I mean, the sixteen teams make playoffs, so one team could make it. As Especially well. after the ninety-two collapse and the ninety-three disaster season, like that was it. You you know, you burning best years of Messier and Leach, and this this was your shot. And you know, it was interesting too to hear him talk about how he lacked confidence as a young player and as a yeah. person coming up, but then as a general manager, he worked hard to give himself that confidence, so he really believed. In well, himself. well, think about it. You, you know, someone who can get up on stage and sing in front of ten thousand people, but can't hold the conversation because yeah. they're too nervous. I mean, mm-hmm. these things. It's just we're we're you know we're odd. Uh, we're odd creatures. Yeah. I mean, he really worked hard to get that confidence. So two old heroes in Detroit moving all the way up. So that was a great interview. Yeah, absolutely. All right, grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.